afternoon as it is now or evening or morning or wherever you're listening to this I am back again with an oddly timed um, well I suppose this is kind of more normal um, normal procedure for the old podcast um, but I've been all over the shop recently with if when and how I uh, publish these things um, the last one I did was Sunday before last uh, in between um, or just before the race um, at the American Grand Prix um, and then I was going to do another one over the weekend it being a long weekend and actually I, today being Wednesday it was actually the first day I was back because uh, I had yesterday off as well um, I could have done one at some point over the weekend but I just wasn't bothered because um, I was lazy and tired and yeah for all the usual reasons um, so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm back with another shitty podcast this time on a Wednesday someday some week some year, some millennia, I'll come in with a with a more structured and better produced piece of work. Um, but until then, you have to just put up with the randomness and the terribleness. I'm already going absolutely off topic and rambling. Um, as you can probably hear, I'm driving again. Um, I'm trying to use my time wisely. Um, see if I don't do it in scenarios like this, like when I'm driving, um, I, I probably won't bother. Uh, and why do I bother at all? Who knows? Um, it's mainly just for, for my own um, weird purposes. Get on with it, John. You're talking absolute bollocks. Um, yeah, I'm driving, so I'm currently pulling out of um, Nook Row Shopping Centre here in south side of Dublin, um, which is home to Europe's uh, first um, drive through restaurant, uh, McDonald's drive through drive through T-H-R-U. Um, yeah, first one in Europe. So there's a tidbit for you. He says you don't learn stuff and uh, listen to this podcast. Um, yeah, so what have I been up to? Um, not a whole lot, as, as normal. Um, my boring existence can, existence continues to be boring. Um, I haven't gone to any motoring events or anything like that. Um, I'm sure there's stuff that has been on, but I, I'm, I'm not aware of, of shows and stuff anymore. Like I'm, I'm quite active, as you're probably aware, on the old Instagrams, whereas usually um, where I get my information. But... I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just out of the loop, maybe the algorithm just doesn't want me to go outside anymore, but um, I'm sure there's stuff going on, I know we're going into winter now, so it's it's, it's obviously a quieter time, but yeah, no, I haven't been to anything uh, spectacular, um, there's a, a 350Z, a blue one, 2003, I do like the 350Z, um, it's a car I would consider, I'm sure they're probably quite reasonably priced at this point, front engine, big meaty V6, rear wheel drive, sports car, yeah. What's, what's not to like um, which yeah no haven't haven't done or done anything have I seen anything interesting over the last while so it's, like it's been what a week and a half since I last um, did a podcast um, what have I seen uh, just, just this morning I saw a an Opal Manta a yellow Opal Manta I haven't put it up on my Instagram but I probably will put it up by the time you are listening to this um, it'll be on my Instagram either way car underscore no sore c-a-r underscore n-o-s-a-u-r but as always if you're listening to this you probably follow me on instagram anyway uh, yeah amanta amanta b so second generation but pre-82 i'm not sure what year it was because it was on an old fucking it's an original irish car it was on an old irish number plate which i don't know how to decipher um what year it is but pre-82 so it's not the not the b2 and um, so the kind of the late later version of the of the second generation Second generation of the second generation. 
uh, Oval Manta, if that makes any sense. But it was the earlier one, so it was the first generation of the second generation Manta, if that makes any sense. Uh, Kill to see, and it was parked up there, so I drove by twice today, and parked up in the Crumlin area, just across the road actually from the Black Forge, where that dickhead's pub is. Um, dickhead who I won't, I won't even, uh, I won't even use his name. You know who he is, he's from Crumlin, and he owns a pub down there. Uh, I don't need to say any more than that. Um, what else did I see? Sure, that's not more than that. Um, I saw a oh yeah, um, I saw a, a 964 Carrera two, which is nice to see because obviously a lot of 964s are getting um, are getting pilfered and destroyed. I don't destroyed is a strong word, but pilfered uh, to become uh, resto mods. They're the kind of go to for the the resto mod scene. Uh, Singer being the, the main culprits. Um, and others like what's the other one? Was that one that over the UK? Oh, I was even talking to the owner of the uh, of the company. God, that's bad. They're, they're doing a similar resto mod. Um, 911s. I was talking about Bister Heritage. Anyway, name escapes me. But um, yeah, a completely standard of period uh, 964. The 964 being, look, I know all this is, uh, is subjective, but um, to me, the ugly duckling. Of all the generations of um, a little bit of clutch slip there. Um, in the L Puto partner. Um, yeah, the ugly duckling of, of the 96, of, of the, sorry, the 911 lineage. But anyway, I saw it was nice to see a, a completely standard off period. Had those D9 alloys on it, silver. Carrera 2, 964. Um, I was like, oh, that's lovely, nice to see. And then I walk up and look inside, and it's a poxy automatic. And you're just like, why, 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 why? Like, obviously PDK. PDK is, is a genuine option, because it's a good, slick, dual-clutch gearbox. Some of the faster ones you could even, you could even, uh, you know, justify an argument to say that it's the better of the gearboxes, because it can handle the uh, the velocity and speed of the modern power plants. Um, but to get a slush box in an old 911 like that must be... I'm sure that as far as automatic gearboxes go from back in the period, I'm sure they're not the worst but automatic gearboxes from that era, none of them are of, uh, of, of, of any use in a performance car. You know what I'm trying to say. Um, and speaking of that, actually, um, Porsches with automatic gearboxes. Um, I watched the first episode of that uh, David Beckham documentary that's on Netflix, um, simply because I had an hour to kill. It was actually just before qualifying there for the, uh, for the Brazilian Grand Prix. Um, I threw it on. Um, and I'm sure you've all seen pictures of it. The, um, Beckham had a lovely, lovely uh, 993 Carrera 2 uh, in a kind of uh, like I'm colorblind, but I'm gonna say it was blue, might have been purple. Um, but a lovely nine, uh, 993 Carrera 2, uh, wide body, lovely looking car, absolutely spectacular. Um, but there's a, there's some footage of him driving it in the uh, in the documentary, and again, it's epoxy Tiptronic. Just like why? What a great, great car that would be, other than the gearbox. And uh, look, I know each their own. And like you know, there's a there's a time and a place where like you know that would make, it would make for a. Actually, wouldn't you make for a great long distance cruiser? Because at the end of the day, if you're long distance cruising, a manual, you're just going to stick it in sixth. Or, did they even have six speeds at that point? I'm sure they did. Either way, it's going to be a top gear, and you're cruising anyway. Just disappointing because because after 
almost perfect. I, I do as much as I don't like the, aesthetically like the 964. I do think the 993, especially with a wide body, looks fucking great. Um, that would be a great example. And obviously, you know, there's, not, there's always a good um, novelty factor to a, a celebrity-owned car as well. Um, but yeah, the fact that it's um, Tiptronic just sours it completely. Um, I obviously didn't see that in real life. I'm just pointing that out from. Uh, from a, a viewing standpoint, a television viewing standpoint. Um, the Dave Beckham documentary, I don't know. I don't know a thing about soccer. Um, for pop culture purposes, it's kind of fun to watch. Um, you know, stuff from the late 90s, early millennium. Um, I've talked to some football fans about it. They say it's kind of in a similar vein to Drive to Survive. There's a lot of, there's a bit of embellishment in what's, in what's shown and what's said, but um, whatever. Um, whether I'll watch the rest of it, I don't know. Probably not. Um, last that I see, and um, put this one up on my Instagram because it, it's it's an old British car that's been sitting in a yard near to where I live for many many moons. It's just weird. It's it's on the main road in Ferris where I live, um, across the road from the Speaker Connolly, the local the local pub. Um, I don't know who lives there, who owns the place. It's just, it's, it's an old house with a big yard and has like you know just stuff scattered all over it, like heavy machinery caravans old cars but one car like it's this big kind of I suppose a teal kind of grey two-tone so white and teal grey large British car and to me like I'm not great at old British stuff generally um, but I've never known what it was and so I put it up on Instagram and plenty of people actually knew what it was which was interesting it was a, a Daimler Majestic but specifically the Daimler Majestic uh, DR450 which is the uh, extended wheelbase limousine version um, an odd looking thing um, and, and when I found like it was made in the late 60s as well like it looks quite antiquated um, for the for the years um, again all this is up on my Instagram if you, you probably already saw it if you haven't it's up there on my highlights and I'm sure I saw loads of other little bits of things um, again all of my Instagram the only one I'll, I'll talk about was I saw a Twingo um, a first generation Twingo in Wrath Mines a silver one um, which is always good to see generally um, but I noticed it was wearing because it had it had its uh, front wheels slightly slightly cocked away from the curb, um, which is not the way to do it. Um, it's a left-hand drive car, maybe I got confused. Um, wearing rather rather racy-looking uh, Nankang tires, um, which was interesting. Um, I'm sure it would make for a, an enjoyable back-road blast, knocking around uh, in a tiny little lightweight. Twingo on uh, some relatively sticky rubber, although not great in the wet, damp, and rain, which we are currently living through. Um, it's, it's, it's gone proper autumn, manky, not quite cold enough, damp, um, autumnal, proper Halloween weather, which it was yesterday. Um, I do look forward to the crisp, cold days. Um, the last podcast I recorded, I recorded it from my, from my back garden. Um, it was a nice crisp, bright and sunny crisp day. Um, now it's kind of like not quite cold enough, but not warm enough. Um, like it's not cold enough to put on the big winter jacket, um, but it's not warm enough to go jacketless. Um, look at this person coming in on the inside lane. Fuck you. Um, sorry, excuse my language. <laughs> like that's a concern if you listen to this podcast. Um, yeah, that's kind of God's kind of. The, bones of what I saw um, over since I last spoke to you. Lots of other stuff, but again, look at all up on my Instagram. 
Um, I mean, quite a lot going on in the motoring world. Um, SEMA is currently on the SEMA show over in California, which is a show essentially for modified vehicles. Um, a few things of note. Um, someone, I can't remember the name of the company, some company has built, um, so a 19, late 50s, 19, early 60s, Rolls-Royce Silver Cloud, which they're calling the Silver Cloud or or which, you know, so Rolls-Royce Silver Cloud or or so or or Silver Cloud or or um, So it looks exactly like a Silver Cloud in period, uh, you know, very, very regal, uh, luxurious uh, Rolls-Royce of the day. Um, but they've uh, stuck in a 640 horsepower um, Chevy LS engine into it because uh, why wouldn't you? Um, so there's that. Um, Ineos of the um, of the Grenadier fame um, and chemicals. I think I think that's what he's, he's originally made his book in, wasn't it? Making, making chemicals for industry. I think Sir Sir Sir, Sir, Sir Radcliffe, Sir James Radcliffe. Yeah, you just pull out there in your jazz. They're all terrible, except for you guys and me. Um, yeah, Ineos um, have brought a, 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 a modif- modified, I assume this is just a way to promote the brand. Because um, I don't think the grand- after initial sales and um, push on the Grenadier, um, I think apparently this this seemed to slow down from initial excitement. Um, so yeah, they they brought out a, a car, a broader car to SEMA, which is a. Uh, a a modified Jaggy type with a 2JZ, which again, well, you know, it's a straight six, um, so it's staying on on, on point. Um, and where the fuck is this guy going? Prince just caught up on the inside lane over there a minute ago. Now he's gone the other. Oh, fucking weirdo. Prickly arse. Um, yeah, aesthetically, it looks good. You know, again, the engine in an original E-Type is... I don't think anyone ever said thought that was a... Put a 2JZ into it? I don't know. Seems a bit... Doing it for SEMA's sake, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. Um, I personally... Aesthetically, it looks quite cool. This this Resto mod from Ineos, this Jaggy type of admit, Kind of motorsport, period motorsport, correct. Blue paint... Pull up! Oh my God! There's space for two cars in there. Jesus Christ! Now where are you going? No indicating. It's an elderly person, um, and they have got a disabled sticker, and they've got one of those, um, one of those orb, not orb, but like those, those things they attach to the steering wheel, to make it easy to turn, those knob things. Um, look, everyone's allowed to drive. Um, but the barrier to entry, as I said before, sometimes I, I, I question it might be too low. Um, better move on there before I get cancelled. Um, yeah, check that out. Like it's putting a putting a two JZ into an E Type. I say it's uh, that's doing something for Seamus' sake. Um, I think they, you'd be better off just modernising uh, and tuning the original Straight Six. The XK is it called the XK? The engine. I think it is, isn't it? Okay, we'll move on from that. Anything else that was there? Um, Nissan uh, brought a, a modified version of the the new um, Z car, the 400Z. I think we saw a 350Z earlier. It's a nice little 
um, throwback. Throwback? Is that right? Segway? I could have segwayed from seeing seeing the 350 into there's that it's an AM, uh, 92 E-Class AMG Jap import which was driven by here in Churchtown. Just had to know it's poking out of the driveway. Um, what was I talking about? Yeah, uh, Nissan 400Z um, and it's a rally rallyized version of it which is Dury Gur these days um, a la you know 911 Dakar um, who else is doing them there's a whole raft of them there's that Morgan um, a woman carrying her greyhound across the road or Lurcher would that be Italian greyhound Italian greyhounds are, are funny they're like they're greyhounds but they're, but they're smaller quite cute I love Lurchers and greyhounds they're lovely dogs very timid very lovable very loyal um, fuck greyhound racing but um, as, as, as pets as companions they're great dogs um, I think that's everything really that stuck out to me from seeing them. there's also other crazy batches of stuff as there always is um, I'm sure we'll see more I think it's only started today or yesterday or Sunday or whatever I think your man Tavares is there um, which is partly finished um, P1 the P1 that, he, that was flood damaged um, I haven't watched any of the stuff but I'm just I'm aware that it exists. Fair play to him. Um, mad, but fair play to him. Um, oh, I think he, didn't he pay? I think he paid half a million quid for it in damaged form, which is obviously a lot of money. But and it depends obviously how much money he's going to put into fixing it. Um, he says he's never going to sell it, and he's going to modify it as well. I think. Um, but yeah, fair play to him. Look, you know, it's content. Um. Oh um, yeah, there's this resto mod that popped up on the internets, um, which which caught my eye for all the wrong reasons. Um, I, I, I might make a balls of of pronouncing this. The company's Ere Ere E R R E E R R E, um, and the name of the car is the Furious Fury 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 so essentially, it's, it's an Alpha Julia Quadrifoglio, but with kind of a retro-futuristic body put on it to look like an old 1960s Julia, but modernized. It look, just look it up. Um, it is quite possibly one of the worst looking cars I've ever seen. Um, why, why, like, if they were gonna do this, fair enough, like get a Julia, uh, modern Julia Quadrifoglio powertrain and put it in um, an, an old body shell that would be class um, or just just have a Julia Quadrifoglio um, this thing's I, I don't know how much the price is it's definitely going to be way too much money um, I'm sure again these things are subjective but check that thing out um, I'll, I'll actually put up I'll put a picture of it up on my Instagram um, it's just so so awful um, it just looks so wrong. Um, rest, but speaking of wrestle mods, here's, here's how you do a segue. Um, I, I've been thinking about what my wrestle mod would be if I had the cash, and I've decided the wrestle mod that I want is a Ferrari 400 or 365 GT4 2+2 or 412. They're all quite similar. One of those, but with a 550 Maranello drivetrain, so engine gearbox. Um, put nice fancy springs and dampers on it. Um, 
strengthen up the chassis a bit. Um, voila. Because I think aesthetically, I think they're fucking great looking cars. Um, kind of maligned in period, but I think they've aged brilliantly. Um, great piece of design. Apparently they're not all that to drive, so sticking the 550 drivetrain in it and you know sorting out the suspension brakes. I try and keep the wheels as period correct as possible. Um, you might need someone to, to to manufacture slightly larger ones to fit bigger brakes, uh, but I try and keep it as period correct aesthetically as possible and just sort out the drivetrain. Um, that's my wrestling mod in a in a world where I get like GTO engineering guys who did those um, 250 short wheelbases and stuff recently. Um, get them to do it for me um, in a world where I have lots of money which I don't um, that would be my wrestling mod of choice um, anything else happening in the in the, uh, the modern world uh, Volkswagen have uh, shown some early um, pictures uh, of a production ish ready uh, of the ID7 tour yep that's all I need to say about that um Though the, the Tokyo Motor Show was on, um, which was some interesting stuff at, um, they don't call it the Motor Show anymore, I think they call it the Toyota Auto, Autom, Autom, Automotive event, basically because like, they, you know, move bitch, in your 86, looking at your phone, um, but anyway, yeah, Tokyo Motor Show is what I, I will call it um, from, from here on, um, some interesting stuff, um, lots of coupes, which was interesting, the coupe kind of seems to be dying a death, but not in Japan, because the 400Z, as we just talked about, um, they still make the Supra. Um, but anyway, a few things. So, the Mazda, firstly off, um, these are all concepts um, for now. Um, the Mazda Iconic SP, um, again, this, this, this two, a two-door coupe, which is supposedly going to show us the, uh, the future design language for uh, Mazda um, it's the, the concept is an EV shot car um, but a fantastic piece of design it looked great really kind of sleek 60s influences but very, completely modern um, two door coupe um, check it out um, the iconic Mazda iconic SP concept beautiful beautiful car car design has been in a strange period over the last few years um, somewhat uh, strangled by regulation um, and then also pandering to markets which I think most designers got very wrong um, but this is a great looking great looking thing and on that as well then uh, two door coupes concepts Toyota Riot the FT-SE, so uppercase F, uppercase T, dash, uppercase SE, the Toyota FT-SE, whatever the fuck that all stands for. Um, again, looks like a mid-engine, but um, again, it's an electric, it's an electric car. Um, but two-door coupe thing, more supercar-y in aesthetics than the Mazda. Um, but again, a great looking piece of car, kind of like, kind of similar to the, I can't remember the name of that, that Porsche was what's probably going to be the next Porsche hypercar, which kind of looks like uh, kind of looks like their their um their their WRC WRC WEC uh, prototype hypercar prototype. Um, again, I won't be able to explain it very well, but the Toyota FT SE 
another funky looking more kind of yeah you know transformery futuristic angular design compared to the Mazda but a good looking paint nonetheless um, slightly not as aesthetically pleasing um, but interesting nonetheless and uh, Nissan's concept the Nissan Hyperforce which is a fantastic name um, so basically it's kind of uh, giving us a now it's it's a ridiculous thing it's got a huge like front spitter on it and wings and lower to the ground it's, it's a batshit looking thing but it's kind of as well again supposed to give us a kind of a, a, a an inkling as well the next GTR slash Skyline um, or whatever it's going to be called will be or will kind of look like again a tease of what their design language will be like going forward um, but again a two door coupe sports car job um, there's hope yet Aesthetics is going to be very important in the future of the car um, when we turn into a, an electric future and everything becomes ubiquitous. Um, yeah, design will have a have a much much more important role to play. Um, and then obviously I've done Mazda, Toyota, Nissan, so there's obviously only one left. Honda, Honda surprised everyone with uh, bringing out a Prelude concept, but one which actually looks quite close to uh, production ready. Um, Again, two door, but this one is it's this one's a, a hybrid, so we'll have a combustion engine. Um, I think a four cylinder uh, combustion engine with, with a hybrid powertrain, plug-in hybrid. Um, again, it's, uh, styling wise, bit generic looking, but but not bad looking. A, a, a nice, elegant design. Um, and it's nice to have the Prelude Prelude back. Um, I think everyone loves loves the Prelude. The third generation Prelude was uh, the legendary writer LJK Setright, great motoring journalist um, of, of years gone. He's passed away a good while now. Uh, check out his writing if you're not, if you're not uh, aware of LJK Setright. Um, hilarious, batshit, crazy man. He used to go around like dressed as a wizard and like a tennis player or a cricket player, big long beard, batshit crazy. But his favourite car, he owned one. Not as, well, not sorry, his favourite car because a lot of favourite cars that we'll never obtain, but. His car of choice was the third generation Honda Prelude. I think the, I think the third generation Honda Prelude looks looks fantastic. I think it might be the best looking of the bunch, despite the fact that it has fixed headlights in the first generation and pop headlights. And pop headlights always rule the roost. Actually, that Mazda Iconic SP um, has pop up headlights, um, which I don't know if that will be something they will try to push uh, into production because, as far as I'm aware, pop headlights are. are our uh, thing of the past due to regulation. Uh, could be wrong. Um, but, um, my my outstanding memory of the Honda Prelude is uh, a friend of mine's granddad had a second gen one, which is the least attractive of the bunch. They're all good looking cars. Um, uh, but being picked up from primary school in it a few times. Now, um, so probably fourth, fifth class, so probably 10, 11 years old. Um, now, I've always been somewhat of a taller gent. Um, but back then, like I've, I, I might have broke, breached the five foot mark at that point in my life, maybe. Um, yeah, remember not really being able to fit into the back of it even then. Um, so that's my outstanding memory of being folded up into the back of a second generation Honda Prelude. Um, well, this is, again, this has been an incredibly terrible episode. Um, I do apologise. I've been rambling on about nonsense, but again, I just need, I need to. I just want to keep these up for no reason other than to keep them up um, for myself. And if you're able to listen to them, I love you. Uh,
what else has been happening in the world of the motor car? Um, what have I not talked about? Excuse me, burping. Um, I'm talking about my restaurant. Um, oh, something that did happen to me, kind of slightly off topic. Um, it was a really rainy day. I was driving along in my van, with my future partner. Um, coming out of, of uh, Houston Station, but coming from the back. Um, and you go along the side of Houston Station, if anyone's driven along there, to come out from the car park, essentially. Um, if you come along there, it's a very narrow road, and it is, it's set, the two lanes are segregated by, um, by bollards. So I was tipping along there at a gentle pace, because there's speed ramps and everything. And I, I stopped, I pulled into the, the loading bay, and I pulled in, because I had to run in and take a piss. Um, and as I'm stopped, this woman comes up and starts banging on my window, going, Hey! Hey! You splashed me! You splashed me! And I was like, what? Now, maybe I did, but like, not intentionally. And if I did, um, like, uh, there, was, there was nothing for me to do. Like, the, 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 the lane is literally the width of, uh, of the van. Like, I, I, can't, I, I couldn't avoid puddles. And like, it's one of those completely because it's essentially a private road. You know, it's got potholes all over it. Um, I was like, I was like, look, sorry, but like, I didn't do it on purpose. You mad one. Um, and then I was like, it, it kind of, I don't know, it, it's funny because I don't like annoying people. Um, believe it or not, <laughs> um, I don't. I don't like upsetting people. Um, and I, and I, I really, it sits with me when people get aggressive with me. I, I don't. I'm not one for confrontation, and I'm not an aggressive person. I'm a pacifist, really. Um, long and short of it. But um, so I was like, later on, I was like, I was like, I'd have to look at the time. It's about half nine in the morning. It might have been earlier. I think it was probably just before nine. So I have to have a look at this. Um, so I, I, I took the memory card out of my uh, out of the dash cam and had a look back at it. And it was a, again, look, I, I I know like I saw the I could see where she was, she was walking down the path. Now she was walking on a, a path that's wide enough for three people. She was walking um, on the side of the footpath, close to the curb. For no other reasons, that's just the side she decided to walk on. Now, if you didn't want to get splashed on a rainy day, my advice would be don't walk on the side closest to the road. And knowing that she was walking along looking at her phone, which is an absolute book. I don't understand. Like, okay, occasionally I think we all, you know, we all do it. Like, you need to quickly look, you know, directions on a map or, you know, you're, you're quickly looking at a text message. But people who are just constantly walking along looking at their phone. So she was walking on, looking at her phone, closest to the road, and then I, I, you know, I'm on a skinny, uh, pothole road where I can't, I can't avoid the puddles because the the lane is segregated by bollards. So she took no responsibility herself for the fact that she got splashed, despite the fact that she was walking basically on the curb, looking at her phone. So she was unaware that there was something coming because she was looking at her phone, and she was, she was walking essentially in the line of fire um, of the puddles um, so fuck you bitch if you're listening um, you only have yourself to blame um, there you go so I'll just let y'all know about that that was probably the, hot, the, the low light of my motoring week if you will um, where, how did I spin off on that oh yeah what else has actually been happening in the, uh, in the world of the motor car um, some some very some some quite interesting stuff now after the ramble of bollocks I talked about. Um, I'll start with this one actually. Um, uh, TWR, which is for any of you in the know will know, means uh, Tom Walkinshaw Racing. Um, 
is being reborn. Now, I don't know who owns the rights to the name, whether it's still the Walkinshaw family, um, but obviously it would have been, would have been initially um, uh, the brainchild of Tom Walkinshaw, um, engineer, racing driver, um, businessman. Um, come on! God, people who dawdle fucking drive me crazy. Um, yeah, Tom is like, he's famous for many things over the past. Um, Talked about racing like one, one, um, Le Mans. <coughs> oh, sorry, excuse me. Coughing. Maybe I've got COVID again. Um, ye old classic COVID, uh, which is definitely back. Um, what was I talking about? Yeah, um, Todd Walker started racing one Le Mans with Jaguar um, and Ross Braun um, back in the late 80s. Um, very successful in touring car racing. Um, both in in the UK, in Europe, and in Australia, um, and not so successfully. But um, he did try and uh, resurrect Arrow's Formula One in its latter years. But unfortunately, that all went tits up. Um, and unfortunately, Tom Tom Longshaw died prematurely. Now he was in his late sixties, but you know that's that's too soon. Um, I can't remember exactly what what he what he passed away from. But anyway, either way. Regardless, taken, taken, taken too soon. Um, I don't know who owns the right. I don't. They said I don't know who owns the rights to the name now, but it has been reborn um, as a as a man as a sorry a vehicle constructor. So they're going to actually start building cars. Um, again, the details are quite loose off so far because the news was only broke uh, broken a couple of days ago. But um, whether it'll be full ground up, I don't know if they're going to start building powertrains um, and everything uh, else, or is it going to be like chassis? Um, and you know, buy in powertrains or whatever. But um, interesting. It'll be interesting to see where the story goes because Tom Walkinshaw was a legend, um, and it'd be a great name to have back. Um, oh, no, like you know, does our previous road cars the, the Phase One Clio V6, which apparently is a bit of a an interesting car to drive. Um, that was developed by Tom Walkinshaw Racing, amongst other things. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a little bit of actual news. Tom Walkinshaw Racing. Uh, the name is coming back and coming back as a manufacturer of road cars, probably racing cars as well. Um, the the Audi R8, um, not long for the world. Um, the the swan song for the Audi R8 uh, has been inspired the Nurburgring, and it's the Audi R8 GT3, but a, a road legal road going version. Um, so full of wing, big massive swan neck wing, you know. Um, Gurney flaps, fucking aero canards. There's a, there's a, uh, what do you call it? A snorkel? No, not a snorkel. Like a, an air scoop, roof scoop, and um, for the engine and um, for the beautiful naturally aspirated V10. Um, yeah. So like the R8, not long for the world. Um, but it looks like it's gonna go out with a bang and um, with a road legal version of the GT3 racer, um, which will be uh, a cool thing. Um, I would like a first generation. Audi R8, a manual V8, um, still an under undervalued car. I think you can get one. Uh, talking sterling here, um, but forty grand will get you an Audi R8. What is that on top of that car? A, f- a stuck-on rubber flower on top of that. What was that? A Toyota Rav4. There you go. Each stood around, um, and then from the wonderful world of Ferrari. Um, the first one I'll talk about is uh, another one of their, their SP special project one-off cars. The SP8, 
uh, a based on a, an F8 Spider, um, but made for a, a wealthy owner. A, two, a weird kind of two tone two tone paint job. The design is interesting. The rear end is quite cool. The front end, I'm not been sure about, um, but like it has its own uh, like unique headlight design and and rear light design, which that in itself is is a big cost um, homologating uh, lights. For a one-off, um, so someone very wealthy has, has commissioned another one-off Ferrari. Um, so check it out. The the, the very SP8. So this is obviously the eighth um, special project car that they brought out. Um, was the was the Eric Captain one? What was that called again? Was it called the four five eight EC? It was a it was a four five eight based um, special project car. Um, kind of made to look like a five twelve BB. Um, was that one of the first ones? Was that called the SP1? I don't know. You don't come here for, for actual um, information. Um, and then the, the, the big one, I think, from Ferrari um, was the uh, the 499P Modificata. So what they're doing is they're essentially selling to a select bunch of, I'm sure, very loyal and very wealthy Ferrari owners um, a customer, track only, obviously, um, version of the of the of the Le Mans winning Ferrari four nine nine P, but de-restricted essentially, so it's it's not held back by the regulation and balance of performance of the World Endurance Championship. Um, so it has like eight hundred and something horsepower, um, uh, kind of extra aero, and I'm sure it'll be set up so the gentleman driver will be able to drive it without looking like a tit. Um, but the fact that you know they're selling them to the public quote unquote um, it'll be a very exclusive club and I'm sure you'll have to be invited to buy one um, and it is going to cost 5 million quid plus taxes um, you'll only be able to use it at 9 events um, put on by Ferrari each year um, if you want to use it outside of that uh, you know I don't know bring it to Mondello um, you will have to get in contact arrange it with Ferrari um, and pay them a bit more money to do so um, but look it's cool that they are doing such a thing and such a thing exists and if you're wealthy enough and loyal enough to Ferrari if I was uh, I would jump on that like a hot bleeding snot um, that's probably the coolest thing that's happened um, in the last week or so the 409p Modificata uh, rambling on quite a bit now how many minutes have I been going for uh, 38 minutes and I haven't um I haven't uh, talking about mo- spoken about motorsport yet. I'll try and keep this well under an hour. Um, so motorsport. So yeah, I spoke to you last time just before the American Grand Prix, which, as Max put um, after the sprint race, um, we kind of knew what the result was going to be, and it turned out to be true. Um, so Max won at a canter. Um, he was bitching and moaning about um, having an issue with the brakes. But um, he still managed to win by over two seconds, which, which by apparently managing a problem. Um, Lewis came through from I can't remember where he started. Lewis, I think he started maybe fourth or fifth. Um, he did make his way through Lewis anyway, though, and finished second on the road. Um, and third was Lando. Uh, fourth was Carlos. Fifth was George. Sixth was Charles on the road. After the race, then um, both uh, well, the FIA checked um, they checked 
Hamilton and Leclerc's cars because they kind of were noticing they were bodying them out quite a lot. So they checked the skid blocks on the floor because um, you're not allowed to wear I think you're allowed 10, they have to be 10, millim 10 millimeters in size. And if they drop below that in any way, shape, or form, I think it's a tolerance of maybe 10%. Um, then the car is deemed illegal. Um, it's a slam dunk thing. Um, it's something that they brought in back in 1994 after uh, Senna's crash, fatal crash, um, to stop the cars from bottoming out. Because um, obviously, the, the closer you can run to the floor, run to the ground, um, the more you can uh, manipulate the, the under floor arrow. Um, yeah, they were deemed to, be, to have worn out the skid blocks too much, so they were disqualified. Um, now, they did check then the rest of the top four. They checked Max's car and they checked Lando's car, and they, those were were legal, um, just, to, just to see that it wasn't something an anomaly to do with the track. Um, so Lewis lost his second place, and Charles lost his sixth, um, which is, I have to double-check the, the points um, gap now between Ferrari and Mercedes for second in the championship. Um, Aston are, are out of it now for fourth. McLaren have quite comfortably taken fourth, um, and I can't see Aston making any gains to get that back. Um, but yeah, so it ended up being Max first, Lando second, Carlos third, um, George fourth, and blah 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 blah. Um, it was a bit of a damn squib of a race, um, which is which is sad because circuit, the circuit of the Americas in Austin is a great track. Um, like it allows for overtaking. Um, it's great. It's got a great high speed section. Um, uh, the kind of the S's um, after the first bend, the first corner being so wide allows for multiple uh, lines of attack. But it was just a. Um, it was like after the sprint, as Max put it, we know how it's gonna. We know how it's gonna play out, and that's exactly what happened. Um, I won't ramble on too much about that because then we had another Grand Prix. We had the Mexican Grand Prix. Um, just gone. Um, I watched it in a pub because it was the Man Holiday weekend um, and it was on in the evening time. I watched it in the Square Ball um, in Ho at Hogan Place there, in Dublin 2, uh, which was fine. Um, I wouldn't be pushed with watching uh, Formula races in pubs, but you know, one of my mates wanted to go for a couple of points um, and he enjoys the F1 too, so we did that. Um, again, uh, not, not a terrible race, again, but nothing too, because you can't overtake in Mexico because. They run, they run high downforce setups because it's, it's so far above sea level. They run high downforce setups, the highest downforce that they have, like so monocle spec downforce, but then the downforce level they get are similar to Monza, and um, which means the DRS, which is you know questionable in itself, the DRS has very little effect, um, and it's hard to overtake anyway. And because they're so because they're so high up, cooling is an issue. So when you're following a car, your car overheats quite easily. Um, the only real excitement was bang on the middle middle of the race um, K-Mag's rear suspension failed um, as he's going through the, the high speed uh, uh, section of, of sector 2 and it, it it threw him off the road at quite high speed into the barriers um, and thankfully he walked away from it um, but they had to red flag it uh, to fix the barriers and um, so essentially had two races because it was like I say it was smack bang in the middle uh, restart you know you'd hope would kind of bring a bit, bit of excitement but it didn't really um Lando was probably the, the biggest highlight. He had terrible qualifying. I think qualified 19th. Just didn't have a great first lap. And then uh, Alonso spun, uh, bringing out the yellow flags. So he didn't get a chance to do a second lap. Um, but he came through the field quite convincingly. I think he finished fourth all in then, in the end. Um, it was Max, uh, Lewis again, second, to be fair to him. And Charles managed to hang on to third. 
Um, probably the biggest shock was though, um, Checo Perez it being his home race. I'd say ninety percent of the people there were there cheering for for Checo. Um, obviously, things have been a bit bit fraught lately with you know things Helmut Marco has been saying about Checo. Um, his drive kind of being up 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 for question because um, he hasn't really been pulling pulling out any performances and Max has been making a, a holy show of him a recent um, he started fourth uh, he got a good start um, he got up alongside Charles going into the first corner Car- uh, Charles was in the middle of the circuit and Max was coming up on his inside because the Ferrari locked out the front row which I, I should mention um, uh, locked out the front row um, for the race, which was which was uh, exciting enough to begin with, but obviously then they didn't convert it because Ferrari things. But um, yeah, so Charles was in the middle of the road. Um, Max was coming up on his inside, and and Checo tried to go around the outside of uh, Charles um, going into the first corner. Um, now it was a racing incident, but Checo really has no one else to blame but himself because he tried to turn in on Charles, expecting Charles to disappear, but Charles had nowhere to go. Um, yeah, so he got Max to his right, um, and if he backed out of it, he just would have got rear-ended. Um, and and he, nor should he have backed out of it. Um, you know, he's allowed to contest that corner as much as anyone else. Um, so yeah, Checo turned in his right rear, hit Charles's front left, broke Charles's front wing, but he managed to continue um, with a broken front wing, and uh, surprisingly, um, um, but it, it sent Checo flying through the air um, and spun him off um, he did get to keep the car running but there was too much damage onto the rear and they had to retire the car visibly very upset with Checo because um, it you know, could possibly be his last Mexican Grand Prix could be uh, certainly it could possibly be his last in a, in a competitive car hard to know and um, there's still be no announcement made they, they've said he is driving for them next year and we have to take that um as, as, as truth for now there is rumours flying around obviously look, you know Danny Rick had a great performance he qualified f- he qualified fourth Check almost been fifth um, in the Alpha Terry um, and managed to hold on for was it sixth sixth or seventh um, well, he, had a, he had a very convincing weekend to, to Danny Rick it was the Danny Rick of old um, so like you know there's there's you know the chatter that Danny Rick is going to take that second seat um, and put Lawson in in the Alpha Terry um, but now there's a rumour flying around that Alonso's been offered that second seat which would be interesting um, could make for a fractious pairing both him and Max because you'd have to believe Alonso would would, would pull um, would pull performances out of the Red Bull and at least challenge Max um, it'd be good to see because it doesn't look like Aston are going to go anywhere any time like they had a great start to the season but not so much okay they've fallen back but also the teams around them have, have taken a leap forward um, so yeah for, for Alonso to go to Red Bull again this is just a wild rumour there's no there's not, there might be no truth to it but look there's generally no smoke without fire in Formula 1 um, it definitely will be his last chance at any form of success before he does eventually retire um, but although he does show no signs of slowing down Um yeah, if you go like I think Max, he does get along with Max uh, so far. But you know, a lot of race drivers do get along until they become teammates and things get uh, competitive. Um, 
but they could work well together. I think Max is yearning for a teammate that will push him. Um, you know, as much as he loves winning, uh, I think he even he knows he'll, he's going to start getting complacent, not having someone pushing him. Um, so I think he would like to have a, a competitive um, teammate. And I think of all the drivers out there that could possibly take it to him, Fernando might be the guy. Um, so we'll see what comes of that. Um, so yeah, so I'm not sure. Double, I'm not 100 sure what the points um, scenario is between um, Ferrari and McLaren, but that's probably the the main storyline that's left with three races to go. We have Brazil, we have Vegas, and we have Abu Dhabi left. Um, Brazil is this weekend, uh, the last of this triple header, and it's a two-week gap to Vegas, and then I think then there's a week then just between Vegas and Abu Dhabi. Um, but yeah, no, we also we have Brazil this weekend. Again, a nice evening time race, not as outrageously late as USA and Mexico. Um, I think the race is on a five o'clock hour time, which is which is nice enough, late enough in the evening, especially this time of year. Um, not too late, um, where you're, it's, it's close to bedtime. Um, and Brazil, I do, I love Brazil. It's one of the very few um, anti-clockwise tracks. Um, and it's a short lap, um, but it's 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 a great um, it's a great layout. Um, some great high species sections, undulations, and um, elevations. So yeah, and again, it generally brings out a good race. Um, so hopefully, it's a good, it's a good one. Um, I must check the points difference between because I, I would I would as a diehard member of the Tifosi, I really want um, Ferrari to at least claim second and be best of the rest. Um, which they deserve, considering they've had some good pole positions, which, again, their conversion rate isn't great. But they are the only team so far, and probably will be the only team this season, to actually beat um, to beat Red Bull. Now, Mercedes... Um, Mercedes... Were they the only team to beat Red Bull? No, Ferrari won obviously a few races at the, in the early part of last year. But um, Mercedes, Mercedes' only win last season was, um, was at Brazil. It was their most competitive weekend off-season last year. Um, George Russell obviously took the win so Mercedes do have form in Brazil um, so yeah but not the fight for second in the championship between Ferrari and Mercedes will be an interesting one um, so I look forward to Brazil coming up um, WRC was on um, the weekend just gone and it was the rally of Central Europe so it takes in a few different uh, countries in, in, in Central Europe um, it's a tarmac rally um, as much as it's great seeing rally cars going sideways on gravel and snow I do enjoy a tarmac rally because um, the cars look great because they've got tarmac setups they've got the bigger wheels and the lower ride height and stuff um, probably the most familiar to road car um, as, as rally cars can get um, as well as well obviously a bit of a fondness because obviously Ireland has a great uh, heritage of, uh, of tarmac rally um, but it was a good, it was a good event um, you know, I, I kept my finger on the pulse a bit with it over the weekend um, the, wrap, the championship was wrapped up um, Cali Robin Perra back to back his second one with Toyota and um, well deserved he's a great young talent Cali being the uh, the son of Harry Robin Perra um, yeah he's he's, he's he's legit is El Cali um, he, so he beat out uh, um, Elfin Evans um, again um, Elfin Evans being the runner up um God love him. He, he this one seemed to upset him the most. Although it was a bit of a foregone conclusion, Collie was always going to win it. Um, realistically, um, not like good thing about uh, rally is it, it is um, there is a lot of variables in rallying, so you don't get you don't tend to get super dominance unless you're Sebastian Loeb or Sebastian Ogier at that point. 
Um, OJ was at the, the Central Rally, Central European Rally this, this weekend. Um, didn't have a great weekend though, because he started off the weekend ill. Um, but yeah, it was, it was still, yeah, it was a great event, um, but the championships are now sewn up. Um, and congratulations to Cali Robin Pereira. Um, this weekend as well also has the eight hours of Bahrain in the World Endurance Championship. It's the final round of the World Endurance Championship. Um, again, I'll, I'll probably dip in and out of it um, as the weekend goes on. I must get on to my mate and get us get, get us get our trip to uh, to Le Mans sorted for next year because um, we keep we keep saying we need to go back because it's been it's been over ten years now since we last went. Um, I also must speaking of motor shows, I was talking about the the Tokyo Motor Show um, there earlier. The Geneva Motor Show is on is on again next year, um, which is something I've always told myself I'd go to and never done. So I must see if I can work out a trip to that. It's, it's in February next year, I think. Um, yeah, so the eight hours of Bahrain, the final round of the World Endurance Championship. Um, again, all, all the championships are wrapped up. Well, I know the, the, the Hypercar Championship is wrapped up. I'm not sure about um, LMP2 and um, the GT3 class. I must double check these things. I should check these things before I start talking about them really, shouldn't I? Um, but I'll, I'll dip in and out of that. Over the uh, over the weekend, the eight hours of Bahrain. Um, I'll start wrapping this up now, and um, because I'm talking absolute waffle as you, as normal, um, I didn't leave you with any of my normal stuff last week, but I will this week. Um, my classified find of the week. I may have mentioned this one before, but it seems to still be up there. And um, well, it's, it's had a refreshed ad anyway. Um, it's a 1990 uh, Audi 200 Avant Quattro 2.2 10 uh, valve, um, immaculate, and it's got 200 and something thousand kilometers miles. It's leggy and wild, but it's been it's been it's been fully it's essentially been restored. Um, it's absolutely immaculate. Um, it's it's NCT until September of twenty twenty five. Um, it doesn't expect up to the nines. Like the fact that it's the two point two five cylinder Quattro is cool enough as it is, but it's got electric everything. It's got electric memory seats and cloth interior, um, aircon, the works. Um, so for nine and a half grand, it's in Navan, I think. Uh, County Meath um, 9 half grand which I know is a lot for a, you know an old estate car but it's a classic and find another uh, for one better phrase um, it's the only Audi 200 Avant Quattro when done deal so you'll find it pretty easily and um, that's my classified find of the week uh, I don't one thing I didn't do I didn't find any music let me think of some, some music off the top of my head um, what have I been listening to uh Absolutely, yeah. Look, it's it's not. This is unfamiliar, but just uh, an album I return to. Um, an all-time classic. It's one of those albums that is great from start to finish. Um, an all-time classic. Not anything obscure, but White Stripes, White Blood Cells. What a fantastic album that is. Um, Dead Leaves on the Dirty Ground, Hotel Yorba. I can tell that we are going to be friends, amongst many many others. What a fantastic album that is. Um, and then my YouTube channel. Um, this week is one called Rallyo. Or A L I O, which I think might be Welsh for rally. Um, it's a Welsh um, YouTube channel focusing on rallying. I think it might be episodes that were on uh, Welsh Channel Four S Four C, which is called. Um, as I say, it is Welsh, and the presenter presents in Welsh, but he talks to most people who speak English, so it's mostly in English. Um, it's, it's presented by um, um, sort of. They're, I said they're, they're proper like forty-five minute long videos by presented by a guy called Howard Davies. He was a former um, rally co-driver. He was co-driver for Gwyneth Evans back in the 90s when uh, Gwyneth won the British Rally Championship in 1996, I think it was. He's a funny bloke. Um, and, he, and he just goes around um, factories and garages and collections of, of uh, other rally stars. I've only watched one. He did one with uh, Total Porsche, which was very entertaining. 
uh, and there's a few other ones up there. I know there's, there's one there with um, with uh, Nicky Grist, um, former co-driver of the late great Colin McRae. Um, but the one I watched was was uh, was hilarious, um, so I can highly recommend it. I'm going to watch more of them. Radio or A L I O on YouTube. Check that out. Right, I'll shut up now. Talking absolute bollocks as normal. Um, again, if you've been listening, I love you very much. Um, and until next time, be safe, be well. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.